Hey, this is the Memes, Metaphors, and Magic podcast, and I'm your host, Taryn. This podcast is about reseeing the magic in everyday life. Memes are so much a part of our culture. We trade them like they're playing cards, often with the people we care about most. I wanted to recreate that feeling, but instead of in a DM with one or two people, with a larger community. Each episode, a guest will bring a meme that matters to them. And then together, we'll slow down and relook at memes and life in unexpected and creative ways. Get cozy and curious, and let's get started. All right, Matt, I am thrilled that you were joining in this conversation. I know that I had already mentioned to you that you were one of my contenders for being my first episode but then you're busier than the president so uh, (laughs) I had to resort to my other Matt slash former work husband so I wanted to introduce you to the our audience this doesn't have to be our only conversation because I feel like this is going to be a good one but let me just bring people up to speed so Matt and I we went to grad school together and we had Lots of good times trying to navigate some pretty rigorous work demands while, you know, so doing grad school while also working in these assistantships where we also worked at least 20 hours a week. I'm sure for Matt, you probably worked more since you worked in fraternity and sorority life. But I wanted to let you introduce yourself and maybe share a little bit about your background before we jump into things. Sure. Taryn, I am so stinking happy to be here with you and to be chatting. And I'm glad you were able to at least get one Matt on the show first and lucky Kwiatkowski for that one. Um, But it is so exciting to have this conversation today because, you know, you have always been my smart friend from grad school where we could have all of the intellectual dialogues and then also debate, you know, the best bagel at Bagel Deli. So beyond that, I have spent uh, a number of years in higher education uh, meandering my way through fraternities and sororities and going up and down the East Coast, started in North Carolina, made my way up to Virginia, which was a lovely place to live. And then eventually the Pennsylvania, which is a really long state to, to have to live in. And then finally, I was able to make my way home back to Michigan. And now I'm I'm at the University of Michigan at the School of Business there doing something different than fraternities and sororities and working in career coaching. So Michigan, I feel like I have to get my hand out like you did when we first met so you can point to, you know, where I know the audience can't see us, but that's that was like one of my first interactions with Matt. Me now picture this me coming from New York originally where at grad school in the middle of Ohio, like literally in the cornfield, Southwestern Ohio. And one of my first interactions with Matt is I'm from Michigan, pulls out his hand like a mitten and then starts pointing to stuff. And I've never had seen this ever before as a New Yorker. So thank you for introducing me to pure Michigan, Matt. I Mm. appreciate it. It's the place to be in the summer. Yeah. Well, so much in the season we're heading into. Yeah, I was going to say, you might need to escape for a bit. So I'm trying to think, okay, so I know you sent me these memes. You sent me two of them. They're absolutely classics, and I'm thrilled that we're going to be covering them because as soon as I saw them, 
I just started cracking up. I would love if you could explain what the memes are, recognizing that our audience probably may not have them in front of them. So if you want to go with whatever one you want to start with and describe it to the audience so that they can get a sense of what it is we're talking about. Absolutely. So first acknowledging, uh, Taryn, that this was a heck of a feat for me because I had to go to the youth of colleagues that I have just to say like, hey, where's a good place to find a good meme? Not that I don't like see them on occasion, but I've like disconnected a little bit from social media in many ways because there was a time in my life when it wasn't a positive experience and I really haven't missed it other than feeling like there are times when I need to go on there and look at like what's happening in the neighborhood. And so I had to go to the youth to find out where the heck you find a meme at. But I found my inspiration from two of my most favorite shows. One is Schitt's Creek. And that I think was like, I can't remember how fast I binged that, but it was like one of my most favorite shows. And that meme has six images of David Rose, who in some ways really resonates with my spirit. But the text above it says, me, who am I to judge? And then those (laughs) those six images are underneath that. It says, also me, with various forms of very expressive judgmental faces, whether you're looking at eyes, whether you're looking at the the hand gesture where the hand's at, whether you're looking at the forehead and, you know, I have a very pronounced forehead with a heck of a, yeah. The eyebrows. Yep, 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 yep. And, and so there's various forms of him, one of like completely blank, one where we've got a little like back head, a little extra chin at the bottom with like, I would say the slightest side eye, one with great big eyes. And then one where he's looking up into his head, like what did, what just happened there? One that's like that, but times 10. And then one where he's simply just burying his head in his right hand. And so that was the one image. The other one I found from a more distant favorite show of mine, but everyone knows that this is my favorite show and it's the Golden Girls because nobody slays quite like, quite like Blanche and Sophia, two of my most favorite icons in my life. But that one has my four moods. And of course it has the, the images of Dorothy Spornak. But one is one, I need coffee. Two is I need a nap. Three is I need a vacation. And then that fourth women, fourth image is one that says, I need duct tape, a rope, and a shovel. And I think that infrequently is the fourth one that, I, that resonates with me. But by and large, the other three have always hit home no matter what stage in life I'm at. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. And I do remember when we were in grad school taking that one very involved course qualitative evaluation rest in peace peter um but when we were taking that and watching golden girls episodes to lighten the mood as well that in real housewives of new jersey of course (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you, you might remember so so yeah i did a little bit of just research to as i always do on these memes but Yep, Dorothy's Bornack, like you said, Golden Girls aired on NBC from 1985 to 1992 with Golden Palace airing after that. And, you know, I just, there's so few sarcastic, witty, and curmudgeonly women characters that I, too, appreciate Dorothy to, like, a different level. 
And then Dan Levy, like you said, played David Rose. And then Schitt's Creek was 2015 to 2020 on CBC television. And I didn't get to watch that one until like later. No, I I did watch it later into the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. the pandemic was kind of when I and, and a lot of other people, I'm sure, caught up on that one. But so now that the audience has a little bit of a sense of which memes that you brought to the conversation today tell us a little bit more about like why do you think these memes stuck with you like are there certain life experiences or personal values that you feel like shaped that the fact that you picked these yeah I think like beyond them being like literally some of my most favorite shows and full of great laughs that's the other thing I think like that's the counterbalance with at first I was like is is the footprint that I'm trying to leave is like the judgmental face I don't know if that's so much the footprint that I was trying to leave but at the same time you know you gotta truth is truth right and so I think I've always whether for better or for worse I've received the feedback about being an expressive person And so, you know, I think, of course, there's times when that's appropriate and there's times when that has become a hurdle in my life, but it's, it's not something that I should hide from. And so uh, I just think like, uh, you know, that felt a little risky at first. And I was like, I was sort of like, in what direction could we even take this conversation with ourselves from that? But I think like all the times when Taryn was like, yeah, I've seen this face, I've gotten that face from you, Matt. I remember when you gave that face to my mom, something in that way. Or Joe. Uh, No, I never judged Joe. Oh, Um, come on. You you always put Joe on a pedestal. He (laughs) he deserves judgment sometimes. But that's because that man always has arrows coming his way, whether deserved or not. I won't won't weigh into that one. But, um, and so... I figure I I don't need to be another one coming for him. Um, <laughs> but that was like kind of the inspiration with that one. I thought at least that could like allow us to to delve deeper into like whatever sort of whatever sort of strikes us. Like it can be life conversation or it can be like personal experiences. I think like we always have those moments where like you can hold two things at once. Like, you know, who am I to judge? And then at the same time, you like okay I got that and then I think like when it comes to Dorothy and that image uh, (laughs) those three I'm gonna keep the the shovel piece outside because I've never felt those sentiments other than you know well another other than that but those other being kept up as a a new parent to a puppy (laughs) oh my gosh yeah but but not to him but right another never with homicidal ideation um (laughs) with him however you could be like are you kidding me right now I just got a puppy like a handful of days ago and so we're still in our our storming phase I would say and it's not my first hand at puppydom but you always have to go back to the times when you're like, how did I live without sleep like this? And so then we, alas, come to the coffee. I need coffee from Dorothy. So and a nap. Uh, I just thought- that- And a nap. Yeah, <laughs> and a nap, and a nap. And probably a vacation, but th- now I can't take one because you know everybody thinks a puppy's cute, but they don't want to host one, right? As a babysitter <laughs> until every all aspects of his life are in good working order, primarily with his bladder. So a vacation will have to probably be put back on the shelf for a little bit. Definitely. 
Definitely. Oh my goodness. Well, you mentioned holding two things at the same time and and thinking about these very emotive memes that you brought. And then you mentioned at the beginning that I was your quote, smart friend, which is very sweet and enduring and endearing and also enduring because it's been years. But the fact that you have intellection in your top five strengths, which I know we've talked about before. And the fact that I always tell you, you sell yourself short in terms of recognizing your cognitive capacities. So I want to bring that into the fold. Matt is very smart and intellectual in his own right. But I'm curious, well, I guess looking at these and thinking back to our grad school days, and I'm definitely afraid of whatever you're going to bring up, but not really, because whatever, who cares? But can you remember any of our experiences together where either you or I have made that face or like I'm thinking of one which I maybe could get us kicked off started yeah, let's, <laughs> so, help guide the path show me the path on this one Cardone yeah so Matt and I had as a part of our grad program these comprehensive exams <laughs> that were basically the accumulation of everything we had learned over two years and we had about a month to do them except and there were three questions so like three big essay questions think like 10 pages each well I spent far too long on the first question which left not very much time for the last two questions. And so it was due Easter Monday. Yeah, Easter Monday was when it was due. And so Matt and I, Good Friday, we went to get dinner with one of our comrades, Rishan, at Chipotle. And I'm like crying into this burrito because I have so much writing to get done for this thing that like we need to pass <laughs> and I'm just sensing like Matt looking at me like I don't know I can't help you like <laughs> you I got my own to write yeah you can this you did this to yourself <laughs> but also just like shaking his head like what mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's one of my please revision history my recollection of that see now i'm drawn so i guess um uh, my <laughs> my recollection um actually takes us back to the library and when we were <laughs> in the graduate reading room and it was i think it was it was definitely afterwards because at this point we had to engage your mother <laughs> <laughs> And I think it had to have been like three o'clock in the morning or something like that. And all of a sudden, and I'm, listen, anyone who knows Tara knows that it's not shocking that one invested, not wasted, invested so much time in a first question because she likes a great piece of art. Okay. That's true. <laughs> but unfortunately she doesn't quite understand pace. I do work it out though. Oh, you do, but not after a certain amount of self-torture. That's um, true. 
And so we finally get to this place where I've probably had all varying forms of judgmental eyes, whether it's judgment, judgment from care or whether it's judgment from like, my friend might be screwed here or is judgment from Rayshawn, what is actually happening? And so I finally got, you looked over at me and you said, Bird, I gotta go home. <laughs> and like, I said, like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I have, and this is after like, even like expressing herself, Tara was expressing herself in like, cited works and stuff like that like i'm being so third order which is probably the question she was working on if i had to guess um and so i <laughs> we loaded into the oldsmobile <laughs> is that what it was an oldsmobile uh-huh and i drove you home and i she was like i'm gonna talk to trish and i was like Thank goodness. I hope somebody can take it. If anyone can solve this, Trisha can, even though she can't make like make her any food right now. And I'm not making her any food. It's 3 a.m. But Trisha seems to cure a lot of things with food. And so mm -hmm. I said, all right, Taryn. And so like I, that, you know, like I dropped you off and I was like, I'm gonna wish you well. <laughs> and, and you said, I'll talk to you tomorrow, Ferg. And I had to just kind of like, let go and let God on that one. And knowing like where I could be of very little assistance at this stage in the game, but also trusting that that support network was going to take over right where I left off, which is at the front doorstep of whatever our apartment complex was at the time. Candlewood Terrace. Candlewood Terrace. There you go. Yep. Oh my gosh. I remember because I, I think that was Saturday going into Easter Sunday. So... It wasn't even just that like we had this gigantic paper that was due, but also not being with family mm. for the holiday, which, you know, like for me as an Italian person who mm -hmm. organizes everything about family around family and eating, that was kind of a big thing. But yeah, I remember I think I went to bed at like probably like 3.30 by the time I got home and then like stopped, you know, crying or doing whatever. And then... I think I woke up at like eight or nine and then was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and then remember, we went to dinner at 45 East. Rest in peace. I don't think it's open anymore, but or maybe it is. And I just closed it. Right. right. But that's when we'll be getting an endorsement deal. Right. And then we had Easter's dinner at 45 East and kept it moving. But yeah, anyway, those are that's one of the. One of the memories that definitely comes to mind for me, but. And here we are, we both passed. I don't know by how much, but we, you know, like it doesn't matter at that point. It's either a yes or a no. So yeah, we made it through. We did. We did. And the funny thing was like, I had an assignment for a different class that was due maybe two weeks later. And it was similar to that last part of that exam and after the fact our professor that we had was like yeah your thinking was just so much clearer and more coherent in the in this later essay and I'm like well yeah I had another I told I said to the star I was like yeah I had another two whole weeks to think about it <laughs> what you got was hot off the presses <laughs> 
what you got was not coherent in a lot of different aspects of Darren's life. No. Oh my gosh. The other, th- the other memory that comes to mind, not, not from grad school in particular, but when, when Matt was working in Virginia and I was in Pennsylvania, we discussed him coming up to Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving one year. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, Oh, is this pure Michigan boy? How is he going to do with this Italian crew? For the holiday and then you know i thought about almost like these memes and i'm like oh Ferg can hang with us he'll be fine like you know he's mm-hmm. he's fine with people who are honest and forthright and what they think <laughs> and what they're experiencing so <laughs> anyway and we had a grand old time i hope we was gonna we were gonna be able to bring that up listen i got right in there with the cold cuts yeah the only thing that i <laughs> The only thing I couldn't get down with are those uh, mashed potatoes that were actually cauliflower. Y'all tried to sell me that it tastes the same and they don't. Well, you'll be happy to know that Trisha did make full on potato mashed potatoes this Thanksgiving. (laughs) So, and I also put her foot in that. Would you say? I said, I bet she put her foot in that. Oh, just like Italian stomping grapes, you know, just. Yeah, all that. (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't there when she made it, but it was delicious. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what I meant. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I know that for you with your numerology, that you and we've discussed this before, but your in your name numbers, you have what's called a nine soul urge number or heart's desire number. And nine is about the number of integrity and wisdom. And I think that what I see clearly in this meme is the idea that, you know, what you think and feel matches your outward actions and expressions. And I know from, you know, us reflecting on our previous situations that we've navigated and sharing how we try to kind of keep those things in mind, be a compass for Mm -hmm. values alignment and just framing things, how we see them instead of stepping away from that and pretending like the elephant in the room doesn't exist. And I'm just curious, you know, you're one of the people who I would say, like if, if I was asked, if somebody on the street was like, Who's one of the most philosophical people that you know who actually puts their values into action and puts their money where their mouth is, so to speak? You're one of the people that I would definitely think of, you know, immediately. So I'm just curious for you, where do you see that like integrity, that wisdom coming out, like both in these memes, but also just in the way that you live your life? Yeah. Well, thanks for that, friend. I love that. (laughs) You know, I think what's always stark to me is like, it's good to hear like that that's what you feel on the outside, because what's on the inside to me is like when I feel like there's an absence of that, like that's where I get like super 
the absence of it is where I can finally pinpoint, like, you know, that lesson that we always had about espoused versus enacted values, you know, that one is like a, a home run for me. And so, yeah, I think like, that's the part, uh, that's a huge piece of my life, right? Like I, whether it's my, my strengths in that regard, because I have responsibility too. So like doing what you say you will do is super, like I have, I own it. Right. And I have, there is every aspect of my life that I see that present in, whether it's the things that I do at work, how I commit or whether I choose not to come, like whether I choose not to participate because I can't fully like commit to those things um, and doing what I said I will do like that drives every aspect of my life from the big things to the little things. And I think that's what I look for in my friendships. That's what I look for in like, my relationships with my family, you know, and being reliable for them. I mean, even when it comes to this little puppy, having that integrity, like being able to like follow through with him and making sure that this time, you know, I might be a little bit more consistent with my training, but you know, I think like integrity is important in every, and I look for it. And it's something that in the absence of it, it's the first thing that I can pinpoint. And it also like, it's in my, it's in my belly sometimes where I'm like, this don't seem right. And so I do think I express it in both this because BSing it doesn't really help for me because I can't hide it because it, it literally grinds my, my gears in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's hard to do facial management when you are, when there's an embodied sense of what is matching up and what is not matching up. I think some of that too comes from just like having a strong gut to be able to observe and interpret those different things. Now I know that you and I, like I mentioned earlier, Matt and I went through some qualitative inquiry courses and had the really good fortune of having a common mentor who really helped us see the world in different ways. Mm -hmm. One of the scholars I read from my dissertation, who I realized that our mentor Peter had assigned for, I think the qualitative course before we took it. So the scholar's name is Dr. Elliot Eisner. And one of his quotes is that seeing is not merely a task, but seeing is an achievement. And so I think that like with your intellection, with your context, being able to read the room, right? And then do all those little calculations that are just so intuitive to figure out the difference between what you were saying between espoused and enacted values. And I would just love to know a little bit more about your process for how you even size up a situation and notice like the difference between what you observe going on and what you think ought to be going on. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think in so many ways, I loved time in my undergrad, but where I really blossomed and I think like my mind was awakened was truly during our time together at Miami. And I 
cannot shed the lens that I gained no matter. And I think like it was always there, I'm sure in some ways, but like now that that lens is so dominant around like observation, how we examine a scenario, an organization, a community, and how I interact with it, both as like somebody that's entering in, but also somebody that's observing because we're always entering ourselves into new spaces and, and um, whether we're guests or whether we're like invited or whether, you know, however, however it is that we show up, we're always open to these new things. And so for me, like that, and that's one of the things that I didn't realize, you know, working in student affairs realms for so long, and now I shifted to a student affairs role, but it's largely in a business school and they think differently. And so like, there's a, there's times when I'm like a fish out of water because like I have a different lens than other folks have had. And it's funny because some of my colleagues are like, Matt just sits along the side for a little bit. And before he says anything, you can tell it's hitting in there. It's probably my intellection too. But before, like there's things bouncing around, but before I either offer a perspective or offer a reaction, like I take it in to be sure that that's where, not just in the moment that there's a, re, that there's like that, that there's a confirmation later on, like, okay, that is actually how I feel. And this isn't just a momentary sense or, you know, just a, a quick shot that I could misinterpret. So I think like that sort of like observation time is so critical. And I found like, that's how I've, I've felt more comfortable in these environments. And when I do get to speak up, it doesn't necessarily like speaking for speaking. It's okay. Like, this is what I've observed. And normally people are like, I completely missed that. How is that possible? It's because we got to take some time, uh, right? And not offer immediate judgment or or think about it in that way. And so uh, those pieces, I think like the first step that I always follow is not they're an immediate reaction, but like, right? There's a difference. Uh, there's I have I have thoughts, but I don't know anything, right? Like that's how I normally, like this is, I have some thoughts, but I don't know anything. And that's how I kind of get to the no pieces when I start to speak up. But is that, what's your thoughts about that? My thoughts are, it's funny, like, like you were saying, holding two things at the same time, like the, so you talked about kind of suspending judgment, right? Until you have more information, you're able to observe more, see some of the patterns. And then, so holding that in one sense, but then in the other sense, holding the David Rose, who am I to judge, right? And so I know with us sharing intellection, but also me being raised New Yorker Italian, like I too in the facial management department am not always the best, but yeah, there's just like this, uh, I think interesting tension that I hear of being passionate and having some gut reactions to things that go on, but also balancing that with deliberation and, mm -hmm. you know, just cautiousness in a certain way of knowing that we don't know what we don't know and asking, I think, I think you're, I think together we have helped shape each, shape each other at, to ask better questions. Sure. I think in, in my in my opinion. So, and I also hear like, I know you didn't put it in the spreadsheet or the form, but 
you're Libra as well. So being a Libra deliberation and weighing with the scales is an important piece for kind of just sorting out like the true from the false and the, you know, what goes and what shouldn't and all of that. The the sense of justice, I think, is a part of that process. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention, and I I laughed when I saw that you wrote, I'm a prideful four. (laughs) So as a four life path number, that one is really about that strong foundation, that sense of that compass of what is wrong and what is right. And that a lot of that is instilled in like your upbringing and all of that. So I definitely see that playing in as well and kind of seeing all those things. I'm curious and you could say, you can tell me to shut up or you could say whatever you would like. But I know, as we've mentioned earlier, that you have had the opportunity to also work with a lot of fraternal organizations that are for the audience you may or may not know, but basically fraternities and sororities, despite how they're portrayed in popular culture, they're actually, according to their different missions, connect supposed to be connected to their values and mission from when they were founded. And so a lot of the work in higher ed with fraternity and sororities has to do with helping students develop and cultivate those particular values and live it out in their organization. So I'm just curious, Matt, from your perspective, what, you know, what have you learned about wisdom and integrity from doing that work, whether it's for yourself or, you know, just what you've observed in that process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like that's, that's probably why I, in, I mean, there is my maximizer within my Clifton strengths has, has shrunk a little bit. Like it's not as in the top five, like it once was when I was doing that. And, and you know, the, the essence of that is like taking something that's good and set, finding opportunity to make it even better. And I think that was kind of like a, a strength that while not in the top five any longer is one that I had to really lean into in that regard, because I believed in the experience. And I think like for so many students that, how they behave is also separate. Like, you know, certain, there are young people that learn so much from being in these organizations. And at the end of the day, they're responsible for enacting the mission, right? I just can help guide them and be good company along the way and be accountability measure when I need to be. But like, at the end of the day, how like their ability to be successful is dependent upon their worst member at times. And that's not always a fair measure for many of them. But I think like, that's what I always enjoyed about the work is like there were on the grander whole, we had a lot of incoming and some of it was really well-deserved, but like you get to work one-on-one with students that are experiencing the tensions with it, where it's like a strength for me, right? It comes more natural. It is something that I already know that there's tension in there, but the feelings that they have to go through when that's not maybe the, the paradigm that they're coming from, or maybe that's not the belief system that they hold, or maybe they're getting more challenged than they are like feelings of, uplift um and that sort of thing and like really like having to wrestle with some of the quandaries that are 
leading organizations within young people's and everything that they experience and what they expect out of college, right? And add on to that institutional dynamics that come into play, add on to that, like the outside new stuff that happens, parents and their expectations of what a college experience should be like. I felt like that was why I was many people would look at me sideways saying like, why are you doing this? There's literally, there's one person that was like, you're such a good person. Why do you choose to do this? And I'm like a good person and choosing to do this aren't like completely separate things, but they both can be true. Um, but, uh, and, and because I'm a glutton for punishment, but there is a belief, like there are like the student development that happens in some of those spaces, which is what motivated me for so long. Like that was a huge component. And when I think back, right, like right now I work with within a business school and I've been developing young talent and I'm transitioning some of my language, right? Like I've been developing young talent for all my life. I know what their pain points are. I know what the culture is. And these are now the people that are going off and, and doing the hard work that these companies are trying to like recruit them really hard to do. And I have a sense of their student culture in a way in which, or what their culture has been and what they expect from services, what they expect from like managing conflict in a workplace. It's just our workplace used to be a little like, it was a fraternity and sorority community where some people behaved badly. And now like those tensions arise a little differently down the road. I just have to change my language. But I think like, you know, that was part of the work that I found most like interesting. And that's what drove my commitment. Now I'm not gonna lie to you now, Taryn, as you very well know, I kind of like what I get to do now in a different way because it gave me a break, but, but I still get to nurture young talent. I'm just reviewing their resumes and not necessarily holding them accountable in student organization review board sort of things, which is helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think part of what I, part of what I hear and what you're talking about is, you know, I'm thinking about the fact that not only as I mentioned, did, that you have that nine soul urge for integrity and wisdom, but that you teach six, which is about vision and acceptance and nurturing and development. So I think like the fact that you, I think even in your current context, you position yourself in these contexts where you get to help cultivate people being reflective on their values mm -hmm and figuring out how to align that with the contexts that with thinking about your context right that you know that they're that they're in so mm -hmm. whether it's the fraternity and the sorority and aligning what their their actions with their organization's values or you know the people that you're working with and helping them get prepared to go into the workforce helping them align their experiences with whatever they're applying for and hopefully representing themselves uh, accurately. I'm assuming that's all of that uh, integrity and wisdom there as well. I think too, like even just beyond fraternity and sororities, working with college students, this sense that are students the same from Monday to Thursday as they are from Friday. Sometimes Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the Thursday gets fun. The, I feel like like when we were students, <laughs> it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But then, mm -hmm. yeah, the days of the week that they kind of wild out, kind of 
got earlier in the week. And now we sound old, Taryn. Now we sound old. Yeah, pretty much. But I the think youth was, these days. I feel like we were old then too, though. So I'm not yeah. really that upset about it. But but yeah, I just think about like how even outside of that context, I remember growing up and at that point when we were going to church (laughs) you know (laughs) like or like going to religion class when I was younger at the church and then people would be trying to cut each other off in the parking lot and my mom (laughs) and then my mom being like really this is this is church this is where you're supposed to grow your moral outlook like you they all just went into religion class and this is how people are acting in the parking lot mm-hmm. but that kind of thought process as well so anyway i just i know that trisha you- was a very was a very brave person taking you into a uh, religion class as somebody that asks a tremendous amount of questions and <laughs> I um, those people I know you did. I know you did. I know, I know you did. So like, and, and they would like say one thing and I'm like, well, wait, if you just said. Yeah, well, wait. I don't understand. How did, how did they do, how did Jesus do that and that? And, and the poor person teaching the class. Yeah. Yeah. All- Trisha was so brave because she had to get the like follow-up reports. Like I'll never forget the day when my dog was, I was told my dog couldn't come back to. couldn't come back to daycare because he liked to express himself at inconvenient times like when the vet was doing surgery and by express himself I mean bark and when I had to receive him and she was like he's just not happy here you'll need to find another place I was like so I can't even imagine the bravery that that Trisha had to take you into a religion class as an inquisitive person such as yourself is and then have to be on the parental side of the receiving end of like, can I tell you what tri- what what Taryn asked today? Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely gold medal, also, Trisha. Gold medal. Also, your story about daycare reminds me of Gracie when uh, I took her to get fixed. They told me that I could pick her up up until from the vet up until like three thirty p.m. Mm-hmm right but that she wouldn't be done until at least 11 a.m they called me at 11 30 and let me know that i needed to pick her up because she wasn't happy with the accommodations and she was you know i'm sure just interrupting everything and getting the other dogs riled up so (laughs) welcome to the club yep exactly (laughs) but they're but they're a vet office so they can't tell you you're not invited (laughs) right no they're not gonna they're not gonna tell us that (laughs) so matt i know we've covered a lot on these memes but it and i think we've kind of hit this but do you think that there's anything else that you think our community can learn from them or your experience you know i i kind of like the switching away from from David Rose a little bit and a little bit more into Dorothy. I just feel like there's like an acknowledgement of like all of these states, right? My four moves, whatever it may be. We all kind of need to find our outlet in one form or fashion. And hopefully it's not the the shovel and, and rope and other things, but in whatever that fourth 
window maybe into somebody's mood i'm sure it's different for you it's going to be different for me but like the coffee the vacation and the nap i don't know i think like for me like that's all of our truth at one point in time right like this is this is where i'm at and this is what i can acknowledge and whether i've got the coffee pot in my hand or maybe like it's time for me to take a break like right now that's what i'm thinking about quite dramatically because i'm tired like i'm i i don't know if i could ever work in corporate america one day because i've never not measured my life in semesters you know what i'm saying and i know you you get to do that now but like it's the end of the semester for me with where we're at and i'm ready for the vacation part and so I just, and now I have a dog, so I can't take one. But beyond that, I just think like, that's a really useful meme to be able to say like, okay, where am I today? And, and Dorothy's were all unique, but like, we've all got those four moods, right? And, and however we can acknowledge them and, and honor them. I think that's, that's a useful lesson in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there too, it's kind of, you have to be aligned within yourself and be honest with yourself to know where you're at. I think, I feel like is what you're saying. And for that self-care or whatever, before you can even align yourself with the outer world and all these other things that we were talking about, organizations and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's funny, even though I work now in not higher ed, that's <laughs> the, the cyclical rhythm of that, of the semesters. It's still, I still feel it, you know, embodied, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, no, it is a different, you have to check in with yourself differently because there's not as clear like hard stops or like boundaries in certain ways between the contexts of when, how we work with people, when we work with people and all that kind of stuff. So it is a definitely a different, a different shift. So speaking of shifts. Yeah. um, So thinking in terms of metaphors, I'm curious, like, is there a metaphor or metaphors that shape how you live your life and uh yeah, like what, whether it's like life is blah, 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 or just like a way that you think about life in general and your experience. You know, I always, I never in a million years, I'm going back to 11th grade AP English. 11th grade and AP I don't, English? Yeah, and the esteemed Mrs. Letourneau, wonderful woman, okay? And she gave me knowledge, okay? I don't even think this is a metaphor, but I'm going to drop some knowledge, and I'm and I'm rightfully attributing it to it. But Mrs. Letourneau, she said to, she mentioned, I forget what the reference was to, but she said, love is blind, but the neighbors ain't. And that was in AP yeah. English, okay? And I, at that moment, Taryn, I never thought that that was going to hit close to home. And even when we're not like talking about actual love, but as I think that that is true in a lot of different realms, even when you expand it far beyond just love right now, I've used it many times with my friends when they're 
in the throes of a relationship that may not be going as well as they had hoped. Or I have to deliver some, you know, third party feedback on them. So oh, I think you might need to think about this. And you know, at the end of the day, love is blind, but the neighbors ain't. And I just have really found that phrase. And she taught me a lot of things in AP English. Unfortunately, I didn't take the AP test, so I can't really prove that. <laughs> but but that, I don't even know if that's the lasting memory that she would want. You know, as we as we read The Good Earth and many other very important. Oh my gosh, my grandfather always was like, you got to read The Good Earth by Pearl Buck. Buck. You got yes. to read it. Sorry, Grandpa, I haven't read it yet. I have the audience <laughs> listen to it, but he also had me watch Golden Girls a lot. So thank there you, you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Listen, and, and there's just as much knowledge dispensed in that as there is in, in important life lessons than there is in in the good earth but uh that was the first book that we read that's why i could spit it um <laughs> otherwise i couldn't tell you what else i was supposed to read but she said love is blind but the neighbors ain't and i think that that's a really important lesson when it comes to like sometimes you got to take a step back right object rather than subject right and sometimes like there's somebody that has an outside perspective that could give you a little bit of pause because they see th- see something that's a little bit and kind of takes us back to the initial start of the conversation um, around observation and stuff like that. So maybe that's also why this fully connects with my spirit. But love is blind, but the neighbors ain't. And that can transcend a lot of other things in life beyond yeah. the yeah. feeling of love. It's amazing how- What's that... your favorite? What's my favorite? Yeah. Yeah, so actually Mika spun the table around and asked me that in my conversation I had with her. The Good other work, day. my friend. Yeah, there you go. So like life is an artistic process. I know you mentioned that I love a great piece of art and that is that is true. And actually part of what I wrote about in my dissertation was similar to what you're saying of gaining distance or making something object so that you can, you know, and in this case, I'm thinking of like my life or whatever I'm making as a piece of art. So getting distance from it. So that you can see it more clearly, which actually brings me to there's a primary, at least one, I'm sure there's multiple, but primary metaphor embedded in what you your what you said of love is blind, but the neighbors ain't. So Joseph Grady's dissertation is about primary metaphors. And one of them is that seeing is knowing or understanding. And so you know, love is blind, you can't see, right? And then, but the neighbors ain't, they can. So clearly they know and understand something that you don't. Uh, but also then thinking about, there's another primary metaphor that I'm going to bust up the words for right now. I'll put them correctly in the show notes, but basically like affection is warmth or closeness, like physical closeness but the idea there that I'm conflating it with the object and the subject that you were talking about because if something really is that close to you that you can't see it so therefore you don't understand it part of it especially if you're talking about love or other things that you're passionate about 
is because it's you're so affectionate about it that it's that physically close to you that you legit can't see it Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. anyway you got a whole lot of metaphors embedded in love is blind but the neighbors ain't and the funny thing is when you said mrs letourneau earlier over text when you told me that i thought you were talking about mary Kay letourneau i was like why is he getting philosophical i'm just kidding nancy nancy thank you nancy appreciate (laughs) it (laughs) that you shaped my friend's perspective because definitely i feel like all of our I could see our, you know, like the sixth sense, like at the end, you can like see back and see all the the different things that happened. I feel like once I learned more about you and learning that I see like our friendship (laughs) and everything that you've taught me since then differently. So (laughs) anyways, Matt, how can our community connect with you and learn more about your work and anything you want to share with them? Well, again, coming back to the beginning, I got the heck off of the social media, <laughs> unless it's on my neighborhood page to find out when, you know, the lawn clippings stop are no longer being picked up or listen to somebody rant about when there's dog poop in their yard. Um, Perfect. But I love it for when I like, oh, you need to go to this plumber. That is when that thing is useful. AF. <laughs> so find me on LinkedIn, I guess, which is a weird thing for me to say, but it's the most uh, less mind screwing place to be able to find people and connect. I'd love to connect on people there with people on that platform. The rest of them are kind of dumpster fires at times. So um, I find their utility not as helpful for me, but I've so enjoyed the conversation, Taryn, as always. I so I so enjoyed the conversation and connecting as always too. And uh, good luck with you know puppy parenting and just appreciate you being on here and also being there for my dissertation defense. I know one of my supervisors was really taken with you. <laughs> She's like, "What's happening to your friend? He's so sweet." Like it was just so funny. Because you were, you know, you you so authentic. Your your mood showed up so mm-hmm. authentic in being happy for me. And I was so happy for you. I knew that day was coming, Taryn. I really did in my heart. Even when I saw, so you remember me from the first day of grad school, like in classes and stuff. I remember you from uh, interview days, climbing in the back of uh, one of the Miami vans. Okay, that's what I remember. <laughs> And I, again, I knew you're the intellectual one then. And I'm so glad that our, our relationship and our friendship has blossomed in the way that it has. I've been so immensely grateful and I've loved how our circles have been able to kind of weave in, um, in friendship circles and colleague and coworker circles and Thanksgiving at the Cardones was a treat for, for me in a really profound way. I appreciate you, Matt. Thanks for thanks for being here. And just uh, in the words of the Golden Girls theme song, thank you for being a friend. Travel so, down the road and back again. Yeah. I, I would keep spitting the rest of the lyrics, but uh, uh, we'd probably have to have a copyright or something on that. So let's probably. not do that. We'll, we'll just leave it at that then. All right. <laughs> right. I don't know if you got the money for that yet, Cardone. Not yet. One day. Appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for joining us. 
What makes this podcast is us holding space for each other. I wish you memes, metaphors, and magic before our next visit. In the meantime, please subscribe to get new episodes and rate us so future memers can find us. Thank you.